0: This is LMFM's 11 to 1 Sinead Brazel here Great to be back with you again Hope you're doing well You can get in touch WhatsApp and text lines are open 086 1800 658 Going to kick things off with a festive one from Coldplay with Christmas lights It's a lovely one. Christmas lights from Coldplay kicking us off. How are we getting on? I'm back in the hot seat after a couple of days an extended weekend off. I did. I needed a little bit of a a break. And thanks to Paul McKenna for sitting in the hot seat and keeping things going for me the last couple of days. I highly recommend in the run up, you know, it's so rush, isn't it? It's rush, race around, do everything in the next couple of days and and everything to to get ready for Christmas. I highly recommend just going, no, I'm just going to tap out of this. I'm just going to, you know, relax and do nothing. I had a do nothing day yesterday. Now, for somebody that's always (laughs) doing things, the do nothing day can be a little bit of a challenge. You have to ease yourself into it. I was looking at my house like, you know, in a mess, like there's lots of jobs that had to be done around the house. But I just said, no, no, I need to just. Rest and recuperate and sit back. So I was watching Lady Chatterley's Lover on Netflix, the ultimate indulgence of a thing that you could be watching when you're on your own. Yeah, no one around. <laughs> I recommend that. It was very, very good. If you're like um me and you like sort of a you know that sort of romantic, um epic sort of love drama thing, yeah. Very, very good. I really enjoyed it. Emma Quarren is the the lead in it. It's very, very good. Uh, So that's what I did yesterday. I snuggled on the couch, lots of heat, cup of tea and just had a me day yesterday. It was very much needed. And now you see, I'm refreshed and revived and I'm ready for everything that Christmas is going to throw at me in the next little while. I hope you're keeping safe and warm. Wherever you are in the northeast in this weather, oh my goodness me, extra layers are required and they are reporting temperatures could drop as low as minus 11. Oh my good, it's very, very cold as the cold snap continues. Um, so there is a status orange low temperature ice warning in, in place for counties around this neck of the woods, uh, particularly Meath uh, at the moment. And we will update you as that goes along uh, as well today. Uh, do take care as well on the roads. Um, you know, people slow down. I know people know this at this stage, but it is it's, it's, it's something that can catch you out. The black ice and things like that. So hope you are keeping safe. If there's anything on your mind at all, you know I love to hear from you. 086 I, my dear. Mumford and Sons Little Lion Man and LMFM's 11 to 1 want to give a shout out to Basement Sounds they are hosting a sold out Christmas concert this Friday in uh, the beautiful Jared's Church in Drogheda. Now, this is Music Generation, Meath and Music Generation Loud, Grow Music, Mornington Vocal Academy. They are all involved in this. OK, and they have nominated students to perform on the night. It's going to be a really brilliant, varied programme featuring uh, the work of Joni Mitchell, Ella Fitzgerald, string tw- uh, trio choir arrangements of Christmas tunes and a few classic Christmas pop swings uh, songs sorry, with a twist and uh, there'll be a performance as well from Holly Thompson and Clodagh King who've produced and recorded their own original uh, Christmas song called Christmas is Near and they uh, produced that at the basement sounds in Boomerang Youth Cafe in Drada. So that is all happening on the 16th, that's this Friday. Lots of different concerts happening around this neck of the woods but had to give those guys a shout out and I have to say the Basement Sounds in Boomerang they are doing Trojan work. Just the Boomerang Youth Centre generally is doing Trojan work around the town for young people. So fair play to them. And well done to Holly and Cloda who have this uh, Christmas song Christmas is near that they're going to be releasing as well on the 16th. So watch out for that. Now today on the show we're going to be joined by Arthur Gross, Grace uh, Tierney and uh, we have word foolery. and I have a stack. One, two, three four books to give away okay on the show today all in association with the Word Fillery I'm going to give you the details of how you can win those books just after these 11 to 1 with- I mentioned I have four books up for grabs and it's all because author Grace Tierney from Stabullen is back for word foolery and it's going to be a festive word foolery this time. Okay, now each time that Grace is on, she gives us a mystery word and it always sounds daft. It's always something I'm going to really struggle to pronounce and I definitely will today. And really, the object of this is the most wrong answer, really. We don't really want the right answer. We want you to come up with a strange meaning for this word, OK? So I'll tell you what I have for grabs here, first of all, right? I have a gorgeous book by Felicity Hayes-McCoy. It's called The Keepsake Quilters, OK? This is the perfect festive read for you. We also have Sophie White, The Snag List. This is laugh-out funny, just absolutely brilliant, hilarious book, right? The Snag List. I've got a kid's one. It's called The Light Thiefs it's by uh, Helena Duggan. Uh, she's the author of the best-selling *A Place Called Perfect* as well. So it's uh, *Who Would You Trust to Save the World?* A boy or a billionaire? It's called *The Light Thieves*. And then another festive one: *Ali Bunbury's All Wrapped Up*. It's the time of year to run away from your life. It's kind of a romantic kind of one. So I've got these up for grabs. Okay. So what we're looking for is the meaning, or what do you think the meaning of the the word *inspissate* means. Yes, you heard me right. Inspisate. Okay, I-N-S-P-I-S-S-A-T-E. Okay, so inspisate. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And uh, she wrote down here, she says, I can only imagine what the listeners will come up for this one. So she wants weird, wacky ones. Do not Google. That is the only thing. That's the only real regards to this. Don't Google the word. We're going to know if you Google it. So what do we think it means? Now, I just think maybe... I know it's kind of like festive, you know, themed word for So I don't know if she's maybe gone that direction with it or she could have thrown us completely with this. So inspissate. OK, I don't know if it's like, I don't know, like an old fashioned word for saying I declare something like I declare. I do inspissate <laughs> that you are wrong. sir. yes, I think that's what it is. I could be completely wrong. OK, but <laughs> that is my guess. What do we think? What does the word inspissate mean? I n s P-I-S-S-A-T-E. What does it mean? Funniest answer is going to get those books. 086-1800-658. There's Harry Styles late night talking. We are talking about words, specifically a mystery word that has us a bit stumped. I can't even say it. Inspicate. I think that's it. Uh, Cheryl says, uh, does it mean someone who has lost control of bodily functions? Well, I see where you're going there, right? This is why Grace gives us these funny sounding words. Maybe, maybe. Uh, He was a bit (laughs) inspissated, like incapacitated as well. Is it kind of like that? Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I like that, Cheryl. Uh, Steve says, is it somebody who's a bit silly or a bit stupid? A bit stupid. Okay. Uh, somebody else actually on this vein as well, Steve. Marion says, I think it's like a word a teacher would use to describe a child that wasn't very clever, says Marion. OK, a very sort of inspissate child? How <laughs> do you say it then? Inspissate. Oh, it has us. Absolutely dumbfounded today. Keep them coming in. The funnier the suggestions, the better. 86 658 And we have lots of books up for grabs with regards to that. Now, if you were looking... For a nice family evening I have just the thing for you This is gorgeous And you know I've been to this Over the years But haven't been in a while It's the Lock Crew Estate They are uh, organising A Celtic Christmas light show and it's for all the family. Uh, it's happening. It's. Uh, they say it's an unforgettable experience for all the family. Watch as mythical heroes and villains come to life through light, sculpture, music and projection. This visual spectacle also includes an educational display for all ages. Santa Claus and his winter hush will welcome visitors as well to the light show. So to book tickets and to find all the details, lockcrew.com. OK, that's where you're going to find out all the information. Isn't that nice as well in the run up to Christmas? just something nice for all the family a nice little day or evening out Uh, so Lock Crew Estate that's what they're doing Celtic Christmas Light Show and Lockcrew.com for all of the details on that one now getting back to the music here's the script here's the script Hall of Fame on LMFM's 11 to 1. Now we are hearing a lot in the news about strep A and scarlet fever in young children and there's a huge increase in this in the UK and our pharmacist Sheena Mitchell, she has come up with a guide. She's published a guide for parents just to watch out for all the signs and symptoms. So we're going to be chatting to Sheena all about this, how to recognise it, what's causing it and what's causing all this increase in these conditions. We're going to chat to Sheena after these. 11 to 1. We are hearing more about the alarming rise in the number of cases of strep A infection among children in the UK and many parents of young children are worried this infection may increase here in Ireland. So it's vital that we know uh, the signs for all of this. With this in mind, the owner of Total Health Pharmacy in Milltown has published a useful guide for parents on her family medical resource. It's called wonderbaba.ie and this guide is called A Wonderbaba Guide to Invasive Group A Streptococci and its Relationship to Scarlet Fever. I'm delighted to have pharmacist Sheena Mitchell back on the line with me now to discuss all of this. How are you getting on, Sheena? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Great to have you. And thank you so much for taking time out. We know you're so busy with with everything in the run up to Christmas and lots of sicknesses and everything going around. Now, the last time we were chatting to you, it was to do with the RSV virus, which is still a huge cause for concern. But now we are seeing huge increases in strep A infection and then leading to scarlet fever. What's happening? Why are we seeing such a huge increase in this?
1: Yeah and so this is where it's a bit difficult because in Ireland we don't actually record the levels of scarlet fever that we have so it's not a notifiable disease whereas in the UK it is so in the UK we know that they've had you know a three to four three to four fold increase in the number of cases of scarlet fever And with that, then there is a potential with any strep A infection that there becomes an increase in the amount of invasive group A strep. So when people hear, you know, invasive group A strep, this is what it's relating to. It's when any strep infection basically transfers into the blood supply and causes severe illness. Um, There are other things other than scarlet fever that can cause that kind of invasive disease. It is very rare for a strep A infection to develop into the invasive disease and that's worth kind of highlighting to parents. But there is, I suppose, a 12-fold increase in risk You know, if you've had Mm -hmm. scarlet fever in the last 60 days. So we just ask people to be vigilant. We kind of have to assume that the same situation is happening over here with the levels of scarlet fever. And certainly in the pharmacy, you know, it's something we would have had every year okay. to a certain degree. But, yeah, there seems to be more of it going about. And I think the most reliable source of information would be to compare ourselves to the UK and assume assume we're mirroring that trend. OK,
0: so which kind of one of them comes first? Is it the scarlet fever or the strep A? And, and how did they both kind of feed into each other?
1: Yeah, so basically strep A is responsible for a few different infections. You've got scarlet fever. You've also got a normal kind of sore throat, basically, that has white spots on it and it's quite localised. You can also get impetigo in kids, which a lot of people don't realise is also caused by strep A. So what happens is, yeah, you get one of these infections and in children's scarlet fever, I suppose, will be quite obvious in that, which is helpful because it does have quite unique symptoms. So yes, you get the sore throat and fever, but you also get what we call a strawberry tongue, which is a really red inflamed tongue that has little white spots on it. And that's quite unique to scarlet fever. It also causes a rash all over the body, really. But usually it starts on the kind of chest and back. And it's like a spotty red pink rash that's quite fine. And it can feel like sandpaper. And as it goes on, it ends up looking almost like sunburn and it'll actually peel a few days after that, just like sunburn would. OK, um,
0: and, and just to, to, to focus in on the rash for a second, you know, the, this tumbler test, you know, when you roll the glass over the, the rash, this yeah. kind of thing. And we use this for meningitis. Does this rash disappear or should it disappear underneath? Sure. The, OK.
1: Yeah, Perfect. it does. It does disappear, and that is important because obviously winter is a time where meningitis also, you know, can mm-hmm. I suppose levels can increase because everyone's indoors. But scarlet fever, yeah, and it is quite localized to the throat. They'll be feeling a bit sick, a bit headachey, um, but unlike meningitis, they won't necessarily have an aversion to light or kind of stiff neck. And the rash will will blanch under uh, okay. a glass. Yeah.
0: Okay, and you know, are we talking very young children here? Is it honing in on a specific age group, or really are all children at risk? And are adults at risk as
1: well? Yeah, like normally, basically, children under 10 but over two would be the most common group of kids to suffer with scarlet fever. But any age group can actually get a strep infection, Do you know, mm-hmm. um, and I suppose it's important to be aware of that, that if you have a sore throat, have a little look. I think using the <laughs> the light, the little torch on your phone in a mirror, you know, I've yeah. often ended up doing that, trying to see, is there white spots, isn't there? Do you have generalised symptoms like fever as well and headache? But it, it's different to flu or a cold cold um because unlike normal viral infections it does stay quite localized whereas with kind of a flu or even rsb you'll get other symptoms like the cough and the full body aches so it is more localized and that's a good way to kind of differentiate it
0: and, and obviously like most of these things it would be highly contagious as well i presume
1: it is and this is where it's quite tricky because obviously we don't want to be using antibiotics unnecessarily because there is a problem with you know resistance to antibiotics and that means then that when you need them they might not work for you. So with scarlet fever though it is a bacterial infection and actually the recommendation is treatment with an antibiotic and the reason for that is that if you treat with an antibiotic... You can, the child, if they're feeling well, they can go back to school or creche. They won't be contagious 24 hours after their first dose of antibiotic. Okay. Whereas if they don't receive the antibiotic, it can be, they can be contagious up to two weeks nice. after symptoms appear. So it, I suppose in terms of managing the illness, it probably is more appropriate for children who have a strep infection to receive antibiotics.
0: OK, and you mentioned some of the symptoms there. I mean, you know, can kids feel, you know, quite well with it? Like, could they be, you know, functioning, like eating normally, that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, like usually they will complain of a sore throat and tongue Um, and they can. You know, this is kind of a time of year where, you know, school is ending. It is actually possible that they have mild illness yeah. and, you know, you you've got a kind of a good week to 10 days before Christmas. You might just keep them home not treat them with an antibiotic if they're doing well. They're, they're having as much fluids as they normally do. They're not, you know, their pain is going away with a pain, normal pain control like paracetamol or ibuprofen. It's okay to keep them home in that situation yeah. um, and not bother with an antibiotic because obviously antibiotics are hard on your system as well. Yeah. But they'd want to be kind of staying away from others. Okay, it just depends on if that's something that you're able to do or not.
0: Okay, and and what about children with other underlying health conditions like asthma or things like that, you know, and if they pick up something like strep A or or scarlet fever, is it more detrimental or is there cause for more concern there?
1: Yeah, I suppose anyone with any level of immunocompromise, you know, um, can be more affected just by nature of infection. But it's not a huge issue. It's not as big as an issue, say, as RSB would be with asthmatics, okay. you know. Um, it does stay quite localised. Um, so I suppose your predisposition to severe disease, which would mean the likelihood of you having a very severe infection, would relate to your immune system. Um, so anyone who, you know, is immunocompromised by, from either medication or disease may suffer more severe illness from it. Um, I might just explain yeah. uh, to people listening, the symptoms of this invasive disease because obviously we discussed there the symptoms of scarlet fever Mm -hmm. and they're all quite straightforward. So how do you know if it's gone from scarlet fever into this invasive group A strep that we hear being spoken about? And the way you'd identify it is a child will be really, really unwell. Their fever will remain really high. They'll have severe muscle pain. They could be confused. Their blood pressure could drop. So they could be dizzy. And they could have a lot of like stomach pain, nausea and vomiting, that kind of thing. So, again, it's quite distinctive. You go, okay, this is not a simple, you know, condition that I should be treating at home. I'm now concerned. And really the advice for anyone, you know, child or adult who suspects a streptococcal infection would be to see the GP.
0: Straight to the GP on that one. And, you know, when it comes to that, uh, you know, you mentioned those symptoms there. Is there anything, though, that's a real cause for alarm when it comes to this?
1: Yeah, I think with plain scarlet fever, you do have to watch for dehydration because okay. the symptoms are quite, you know, bad in the mouth and throat. A lot of kids, now bear in mind, you know, you've got children, generally it's they're over two because kids under two have some immunity, okay. passive immunity from their parents. So, kids over two have more ability to tell you that they're sore, and if the calvarial nerve is working, and they're more able than, say, a baby under six months, because babies under six months can't really take solids. So, you know, you've got ways around it, like giving them kind of ice cream or ice pops, or you know, even the whole (laughs) flat seven up. Oh, listen, don't do this, (laughs) goodie.
0: It really is, it really is. And you know, on that as well, is there anything that we can give them to boost their immune system? I mean, I've been practically injecting my children with vitamin C these last few days, Sheena. What what can we do? Like, is it kind of, you know, loading them up on the, the, the fruit and veg or are there tonics out there the kids can take?
1: Yeah, so I'd say the most important thing, you hit the nail on the head there. If a child has a balanced, healthy diet, And I would just like to say that as a mother I know that that is not always practical or not always possible. But if they have a balanced healthy diet and they're eating lots of fruit and veg, then you can kind of rest assured that they're getting all the vitamin C that they need. But if they, the one thing they can't get from their diet and in Ireland it's a problem as well because of our weather. Oh, the vitamin D. D, And vitamin D actually has been shown, particularly during the COVID era, to have a large um, impact on respiratory immune health. So it's recommended to give all children under four vitamin d anyway regardless mm-hmm. of kind of what's going on but for children and adults really now i'd be recommending routine vitamin d supplementation because yeah. our food isn't fortified like it is in other countries and that's something that we can do that may really help
0: Absolutely. Uh, Now you've published this guide, uh, Wonder Baba Guide to Invasive Group A Streptococci and its relationship to scarlet fever. The best place for people to go is probably your Instagram. That's where all the links are for this.
1: Yeah, so obviously they can go straight onto the website wonderpapa.ie but there's a few more there's a few more podcasts and articles and information stored in the highlights on my Instagram. Um just even I did an interview recently with a doctor which she was very good at explaining how to identify the difference between a viral and bacterial illness in your child and when to go to the doctor and when not. You know, so there's there's lots of useful resources there for parents and obviously all of it is coming from me as a pharmacist and mom. Yep. So I suppose blending the practical and the professional. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Well, Sheena, thank you so much for talking us through all of that. I'm wishing yourself and the family a very happy and healthy Christmas. Hopefully, everybody stays nice and uh, sickness free. But thank you so much for joining us no problem thank you thanks so much Sheena uh, the, Kate, the the guide is available at Wonder Baba Care okay that's her Instagram if you want to follow it there and you can get links to all the various things and uh, she has a podcast as well wherever you get your podcast you'll find it it's the Wonder Baba podcast and you'll find all the details there on the Strep A 11 to 1 A day to celebrate the humble chestnut today eh? LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows Senator Windows products will help you create a secure comfortable energy efficient home you're proud of call 0818 On this day in 1993 Philadelphia was one of the first mainstream films about AIDS directed by Jonathan Demme starring Tom Hanks and Denzel, Denzel Washington it had its premiere in Century City in California on this day 1993 and today is the day to celebrate roasted chestnuts we all often see them at this time of the year being cooked by street uh, vendors that kind of thing apparently it's hard now to pinpoint exactly when they started to become popular historians kind of pencil around the 16th century as being a turning point when the nuts would be sold by street vendors to anyone wanting a quick and warming snack it has also been a long tradition in portugal to eat them roasted on saint martin's day as well and in tuscany on saint simon's day so today roasted chestnuts day LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Creating the perfect home is a journey. Let us guide you. Visit our Drogheda, Dundalk and new Navin showrooms. Discover more at senatorwindows.ie. What on earth does it mean? Inspisate. Inspistate, Is it? I can't even. No, hang on. Inspisate. I-N-S-P-I-S-S-A-T-E I know Grace is just having a great crack laughing at all this terrible pronunciation. We're asking you, what do you think it means? Without Googling, okay, without Googling, it's our mystery word. I have four different books up for grabs. Helen says, it means, change the toddler quick. He just inspissated <laughs> over my new carpet. That's coming in from Helen and Trim. Yeah, you see people are on that sort of, you know, it's either the bodily functions, because uh, Bernie's saying it means kidney and from not going to the loo, holding on to it for too long. Very bad habit, she says. Is that what it means? OK, that could be actually more practically what it means. Other people kind of still going on the does it mean someone who's not very uh, clever? Yeah, possibly, possibly. Keep them coming in. What does it mean? 086 658. All it will be revealed with grace and Words foolery afternoons. 11 to 1 with Only the best though with festive offers yeah last Christmas Wham and George Michael kicking off our second hour Bernie is loving the Christmas tunes thank you so much by the way you can uh, w- listen to them all of the time on LMFM.ie because LMFM Christmas is back it's our exclusive online festive station and it's the great countdown to the Christmas season and it's brought to you by White River Motorsports Park in Cullen County Loud. you can experience the brilliant European Standard Karting Tract gift vouchers are available by the way log on to river.ie. so it's all your favourite Christmas hits non-stop. You can listen now on lmfm.e or on the LMFM app. Now, keep them coming in. Your suggestions for a Mystery Word will be getting to that very, very shortly. But first, time to check in with the world of celebrity.
1: The Buzz on LMFM.
2: Keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip on the LMFM app.
1: Hi, I'm Crossy. Amy Poehler has a brand new cooking show called Baking It, and it's alongside Maya Rudolph. Amy tells us the premise of the show. Basically, it's singing and baking, all being judged by grannies. It's a baking show that's it's just goofball city. It's super fun. There's
0: a lot. of We do a lot of singing with each other around other people. Um, so explain the judge. There's the judges, right? Yeah, there's grannies. We yes. have grannies who are the judging panel. I love this. And they're opinionated and experienced grannies. They between them have tons
2: of uh, years and experience in cooking and baking. And yeah, they're teachers and. You know,
0: bloggers and all this stuff, but they are, at the end of the day, they grandmas and so they give it to you straight.
1: Little Mix set tongues wagging this week after posting a photo of them catching up for the Christmas. It's the first time they've all been together after they announced their hiatus earlier on this year. Jesse was missing from the photo though. Meanwhile the X-Factors celebrated 11 years of Little Mix on their social media accounts last weekend with clips from the live final. The Irish Gala screening of Avatar The Way of Water is on tonight in Dublin. Zoe Zaldana stars in the long-anticipated movie. She's been talking about the long process of getting the second movie to the screen.
2: When we were shooting the first movie back in 2007, it was like, it was a hypothetical thing. It was more like a dream. Like, if this is a success, if this experiment works and we get to come back, I'm going to do this, they're going to go here, and we're going to do it in the water. By 2010... The reception was so big and impactful that he was like, oh, we're definitely coming back.
1: That's The Buzz. I'm Crossy. The
2: Buzz on LMFM. Keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip on the
0: LMFM app. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to Avatar. It is hitting cinemas this weekend and no doubt Niall will have all the details of that in Real Reviews on Friday. Now, back to the present moment. In Spasate... What does it mean? I-N-S-P-I-S-S-A-T-E It is our mystery word courtesy of Grace Tierney and word for cracking books up for grabs if you can tell me the meaning. Now don't Google it, okay? Don't Google it. We've had everything from kidney infections to someone who just is a bit silly or stupid. You know, it's like a teacher's thing that they'd call you. Uh, This is what we're thinking. This is the line we're going on. What do you think it means? Inspecate. I-N-S-P-I-S-S-A-T-E we're going to be joined by Word Foolery and Grace very, very shortly. All this time! Lewis Capaldi, forget me. Uh, Deb has been on 086 658. She says, I'm inspired by Lewis's song. Is it a forgetful person? We're talking about inspisate. So, okay, okay, I see there where you're going. You got a little inspiration from Lewis Capaldi. Like it, like it. Do keep them coming in. We're going to be chatting Word Foolery with Grace just after these. 11 to 1. It's time for Word Foolery Wednesday. Word Foolery Wednesday on LMFM with Grace Tierney. Word Foolery Wednesday. Yes, Word Foolery Wednesday. It's the time of the month when author Grace Tierney brings us the fascinating and often hilarious orig- origin stories behind words. Words we use a lot and also weird sounding words that we should use more often, I'm going to say. And this week uh, we have some festive themed Christmas words and Grace Tierney is on the line with us once again. How are you getting on, Grace? I'm very well and happy Christmas to everybody. Happy Christmas to you as well. Now, if you missed our mystery word earlier on, I think Grace dug out the rudest sounding word she possibly could. It's inspissate is the word. We're getting lots of suggestions of what this might mean. The only rule is you can't Google it and I have some books up for grabs. Now, before we get into that, we're going all festive, aren't we? So uh, we're going to start things off with Mary.
2: Yeah, I thought that was a good one to start with. Uh, So it's a word we hardly ever say unless it's actually Christmas. So you might say happy birthday, but you're never going to say merry birthday. Uh, We only really use it when we join it up with Christmas. And it has a lovely long history. Uh, Middle English speakers used to spell it a bit differently. So it was M-I-R-I-E, which I think is Miri perhaps. Um, and it was inherited from mirge, uh, a pleasant, sweet or excited feeling of gladness in mm. Old English. So it wasn't just happiness. It was a bit more wider than that. Uh, and it would be applied to things such as grass, trees, uh, the entire world, music and songs, uh, which I quite like. So it wasn't just limited to Christmas back in the day. Uh, it can be traced back to a uh, Proto-Germanic root word, mergia jazz that's my best effort um which actually meant short lasting so perhaps oh. merriment was always kind of a fleeting happiness as opposed to like long-term contentment but by the mid 1300s a person would be described as merry if they were playful or cheerful uh, and in good spirits so the leap from that to wishing somebody to be merry at christmas was a pretty simple one and we're still doing it today 700 years later
0: we really are and I love that you know it always does kind of seem like it is fleeting doesn't it it goes too quick the merriment at Christmas time way okay. too <laughs> it
2: does you're just <laughs> left open. left with the hangover maybe that'll be the terms for January
0: absolutely well on that point Mark and Kells has been on hi Sinead does inspesate even uh, refer to the state of waking up in a wet bed after consuming 10 pints of Guinness oh. the night before oh, no. Mark listen you know what I mean there's bound to be one ears that have come in with that uh, but thank you for your guests <laughs> keep them coming in uh, now we've gone from merriment to those who just are not merry and not feeling Christmas at all uh, maybe this might be better. To them, it's bar humbug, as Scrooge used to say.
2: Indeed, and and that's our source. So, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I have a couple of Scrooges in my house that oh, want to no. Christmas. Well, no, they love Christmas, but they don't allow it to start until the twenty fourth. Oh so God! If you try that's and very get cheerful. <laughs> It's far too late, like it's impossible. But anyway, so this one's for them. Um, so if you ask most people who invented the phrase Ba Humbug, you'll be told it's Charles Dickens or perhaps the Muppet Christmas Carol. Yes. And they would be mostly right. But you wouldn't be entirely wrong to claim that Dickens invented our modern perception of Christmas season anyway when he wrote A Christmas Carol in 1843. However, he didn't invent Humbug and he didn't invent "bah." Mm. So Humbug was first recorded in the 1750s as student slang for a trick or a deception, a prank, essentially. Mm. And it became very trendy at the time. Humbug was like proper, really popular word. And um, Charles wasn't born for about another 60 years after that. So he definitely wasn't responsible for the invention of Humbug. By the 1820s, its meaning had altered just likely to be a spirit of deception and sham, which is what Scrooge means when he says the entire season is humbug. He means it's it's just made up, it's pretend. Um, He might also have called it humbuggery, which isn't used as much anymore. But uh, it also meant a false pretense. Now, Scrooge, of course, with a little help from Dickens, actually says bah humbug. So where does the bah bit come from? I know it's not a sheep. (laughs) Get smart with me. I knew you were going to say that. I can <laughs> hear it coming in your brain <laughs> it's not a sheep uh, we have the french to blame for this one so it's an exclamation of contempt which joined english in the early 1800s from french with the same spelling b-a-h as opposed to b-a-a um, and it originated from old french bah which expresses scorn, surprise and dismay. And modern French speakers will go "bah,"
0: Yes, that's very true. Yeah, and they
2: shrug at the same time. So it's very visual. Um, but not everybody liked this French import into English. So an author called De Quincey was writing in French and English manners in the 1850s. He called it vile and claimed that thanks to the currency given to it by our own novels, it had become a way to dismiss the opinions of the person with whom you are speaking. Mm. Given that Christmas Carol had been a bestseller upon its publications, Seven years earlier, I think we can guess which particular novel he was blaming. <laughs> uh, so, Ba isn't used to refute an argument anymore in English, but it could make a comeback. And in the meantime, it's the perfect expression for anybody who lacks a bit of Christmas
0: spirit. It is the perfect one. Love it. Thank you so much, Grace. Uh, moving on now to more merriment <laughs> with gingerbread. Do you like gingerbread? I, I absolutely love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. It's yeah. A-
2: Big thing in my house is the making of the gingerbread men and snowmen and shapes. It's great fun. Uh, I've never mastered a gingerbread house. They always fall. The,
0: oh yeah! The listen, the whole thing is very you know tricky. I'm going to say just generally, unless you get pre rolled out stuff, which I'm all for.
2: <laughs> oh, listen! Anything that makes Christmas simpler. Is yes. The good thing. Um, so anyway, if you do make gingerbread cookies or gingerbread house at Christmas, you have a fairy tale to thank for it. And Ooh. you're continuing a history which goes back 5,000 years. That's a very old Christmas word. Um, gingerbread entered the English language in the late 1200s, uh, spelled slightly differently. But at the time, the word was perf- was per- for preserved ginger, you know, ginger oh, yeah. in a jar. Yeah. Um, so it arrived from Old French uh, ginger brat ginger preserve, and medieval Latin gingimbratus, gingered. By the mid-1300s, the end of the word had changed to bread for bread as the idea of sweetcakes spiced with ginger gained popularity, probably thanks to the Crusaders bringing back spices from Europe, from their travels. And ginger root, However, had been used for many, many years before that in medicine and food. The plant was grown in China around 5000 years ago, where it was used in medicine and magic. Uh, Some food historians claim early recipes for gingerbread date to 2400 BC in Greece. So like even the recipe goes way back. Yeah. Yeah. And by the 1400s, they were gingerbread baker's guilds in Germany, which I quite like the idea of. Now, gingerbread figures, of course, are very popular as well, not just the houses. These date back to Tudor times and they were mentioned in Shakespearean plays. They were made to resemble important guests at the court of Queen Elizabeth the So presumably you would give them a little effigy of themselves made in gingerbread. And the giving of these figures on religious feast days probably leads to the association with the Feast of Christmas, although children's stories from the 1800s probably helped as well. The other story connection gives us the gingerbread house, thanks to the Folkdale collectors, the Brothers Grimm, when they published The Tale of Hansel and Gretel, which of I'm course. sure everybody knows, yeah. they published that in 1812. And the idea of a witch's house made from bread and later gingerbread in later editions sparked the reader's imagination and German bakers rushed out, created the houses and started a wonderful Christmas tradition.
0: I love that. And yeah, you're so right. People do make these gingerbread houses or people buy them if they're not as as uh, uh, talented, as cook as I as, as people would be in terms of that. So fantastic. Gingerbread, uh, that's a great story, Rick. That now something that would accompany a nice gingerbread biscuit actually was mm. their next one port.
2: Ah, oh, port can be taken with lots of things. Yeah. I, quite, I quite like port at Christmas, so this, that's why this one's in here. So it's a Portuguese fortified wine, typically around 20% alcohol, and it's produced in the Juro Valley in Portugal. It's sweet and often served with dessert, like your gingerbread house, or a cheese board. It's also lovely with dark chocolate. That's just a tip yeah. for everybody. I discovered that last year, and it's lovely. Anyway, it's particularly popular at Christmas in the British Isles. So port entered English as a name for this type of wine, in the 1690s as a shortening of Oporto, the city from which the wine was shipped to England. So it's literally named after where it came from. And the city itself gives its name to its own country, Portugal. So yes, all those things are connected. Uh, Port wine became very popular in England around that time because they were at war with France, so they couldn't get French wine, so they looked to Portugal for substitutes. And port wine transfers well. It doesn't go off when it's being shipped.
0: Oh, yeah
2: drinking, it comes with a couple of traditions. So you can see if you want to obey these this Christmas. So the bottle or decanter, if you're being very posh, should be placed to the right of the host or hostess. It is then passed between guests to the left, traveling around the table in a clockwise direction and thus ensuring that everybody gets their fair share. So that's fine. Now, in the Royal Navy, the rule was port to port, meaning you pass the ships to to the left, thus keeping your sword arm free. Now, if you're already knocking back lots of port, I very much doubt you would have been much good with the sword. But this was in the days of the daily grog rations. So they did have a pretty high tolerance for booze. If, however, you're on land and your guest fails to notice that the port bottle has arrived at their seat or they're trying to sneak a little second glass, the guests on their left are allowed to ask, Do you know the Bishop of Norwich to remind them and failing that is your passport in order? You know, passport, love it, support, which it's (laughs) corny, but I like it. Okay, but the Bishop of Norwich thing, I had to look into that. So it originated with a man called Henry Bathurst, who was the Bishop of Norwich from 1805 to 1837. He lived to the grand old age of ninety three with increasingly poor eyesight and a tendency to fall asleep towards the end of lengthy dinners. I think he lived a high life, to be honest. Yeah. As a result, the port decanter often stalled at his seat. Apparently, he had a large capacity for wine and he was suspected at times of faking his snoring to monopolise the port goblet.
0: Oh, that's very clever you know, watch out for the the strange kind of uncle or aunt who might do that. There (laughs) is
2: always one. You know there is. And if you don't know who it is, it means it's you.
0: (laughs) Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Fascinating history into port. Okay, they're all coming in. Now we have... Lots of different suggestions for our mystery words. So, inspissate. Am I saying this right? I am. Yes, you are. Oh, Thanks be to God. OK, so people are kind of going from, you know, people who've lost control of bodily functions. That's a general trend. Uh, somebody that would be considered in school as being a bit stupid or uh, somebody, Rosa said, uh, you know, someone that acts silly but actually is a brain box. Um, we've had Helen and Trim say, uh, it means change the toddler quick. He's just inspissated <laughs> all over the carpet. Uh, we also have this one. Uh, hi Sinead, I have it. It's when I find pictures on the walls and marker and a plug in the sink with taps on, flooding the toilet for the third time. My three-year-old says it was the magic man. He's, <laughs> they have been inspissating. <laughs> uh, they say uh, and this is what, the, what she's saying the son is doing in this activity. Uh, so you look at you better put aside her for a misery. Uh, something tells me it's got nothing to do with any of that, what we've just said. <laughs>
2: Well, if the toddler can pronounce inspsate, I think he may be allowed away with having flooded the place, just like the sheer chutzpah there. Um, Yeah, I couldn't resist putting in one that had the word piss in the middle of it. I'm sorry, I just couldn't. Uh, It was too good to be true. Um, An awful lot of the time, the words I use for this are actually obsolete or archaic. This one is technically still in the dictionary. So technically it's still in use and yet very few of us knew what the heck it meant. So, you know, we need to uh, use our full vocabulary, I
0: guess. Yes, we need to bring so it back. <laughs>
2: it is a verb and it means to make thicker or to congeal.
0: Ah, OK. So the custard would have to be inspissated, would it? The custard, <laughs> the
2: gravy for Christmas dinner. That was where I was going. So ah, okay, dates to the 1620s and it comes from a Latin verb. Sp- oh, God, I can't say this. Uh, Spissare. Love sorry, it. Well to done. To thicken. <laughs> um, and also from a word spissus which means thick. It's very hard to say, though. I was going to say that that would be a good insult if somebody annoyed you because you could call them thick without them understanding. Okay, but actually if you're able to say it after a glass of port, you're doing better <laughs> than me. Um, however, if you need to thicken up your gravy, you need to inspissate it.
0: OK, so I can see where people were going with the kind of the stupid or thick kind of thing. OK, they were yeah. slightly, ever so slightly on that say on that wavelength. That is brilliant. Oh, Grace, as always. Thank you so much for all the research, the time and work you put into uh, this slot every single month. I highly appreciate it. And I'm wishing yourself and the family those Grinches that you live would wish them a very happy Christmas.
2: Thank you. I'll let them know on the 24th, not
0: before. <laughs> Thanks a million. Have a great Christmas. Grace Tierney there. Wordfoolery.wordpress.com That is her website. You've got a myriad of, of really cool, interesting books there. Words the Sea gave us. Words the Vikings gave us are the most uh, recent ones, but you've got how to get your name in the dictionary. Loads there. Ideal Christmas uh, stocking filler for people. Wordfoolery.wordpress.com We're going to put everybody into the hat who's got, had a guess for our books and we'll pick a winner for those books towards the end of the show 11 to 1 This is interesting for fans of Liam Riley and Bagatelle because on New Year's Eve TJ Cahar are going to have a special celebration of the extraordinary talent of Liam Riley and his band Bagatelle whose songs meant so much to so many and it's going to feature brilliant performances uh, of of Bagatelle's music by Camille O'Sullivan, Liam Whaley, Lucia Evans, Tommy Fleming's in there, the High Kings as well, Brian Kennedy and many more and it's a really lovely celebration um, as the you know, as people will know, Liam Riley was such a gifted songwriter and performer, uh, so many iconic hits summer in Dublin, streets of New York, second violin, loads of them. And uh, he actually passed away. It was the, the height of the COVID pandemic, 1st of January 2021, just 65, and it really devastated so many people, uh, his, his friends, friends, family, and fans around the world. So, this is the first opportunity to celebrate this, um, and it's a send off that he richly deserves. So, it's going to be on TV. G. Catter on New Year's Eve at 9.30pm I want to say a big congratulations to Bernie Farrelly in Drogheda, you are getting our books, congratulations, that is our lot on the show for today, thank you so much for your company and all your interaction with our word foolery, stay with us, we've news at one on the way Jerry Kelly at half one, I'll chat to you tomorrow 11 to 1